Amen. Well, are you ready to strap yourselves in? Apparently our Prime Minister can't put his seatbelt on properly, but <laughs> if you're ready to strap yourself in this morning, okay, you're ready. You're ready. Okay, we keep being told. We keep being told that the world is falling apart. Yeah? You only got a stick on the news or whatever, social media, and we keep being told the world is falling apart. Not just financially, environmentally, mentally, the world is broken. It's a broken system. And if you're here for the first time this morning, you're thinking, well, we start singing, so how can you just start singing songs without having a few drinks first on a Sunday? You can't just come in here and start having a, having a party, having a disco with no, with no alcohol. How can you do that? But I want to tell you, like I just said, when, well, you've had your turn. It's my turn now, all right? When you said alcohol, don't look at me. I'm not looking at you. Well, what are you doing now, then? <laughs> oh, dear. When you've got the real thing. Yeah. yeah. It's not coke. When you've got the real thing. Amen. I want to tell you, there's nothing like it. Amen. When the woman at the well came to Jesus, he said that you've got to come back to this well to get water. But the water that I give is living water. Amen. And you'll never thirst again. Amen. So for those that are feeling tired, that are feeling weary, that are feeling exhausted, that are feeling overwhelmed, you can go out of that door differently this morning. Amen. Because when you've drunk... From the well that never runs dry, I want to tell you, it's exciting. It's the only way to drink Ali's mum. I don't even know. What's your first Margaret. name? Margaret. I just keep calling you Ali's mum all the time. <laughs> I need to start calling you Margaret. So speaking of Margaret, John, Margaret, and all those online, we welcome you this morning. It's only just about morning. That's still, isn't it? So it's great to have you with us. It's great to have you with us. So the world is falling apart. But I want to tell you that we have something different. We have life inside us that we aren't falling apart. See, we need a church at this time to be knitted together. It says in Ephesians 4, it says, if you want to quickly turn to there, Ephesians 4, it says this about he himself, that's God, gave some to be apostles, pastors, preachers, evangelists, pastors, teachers, prophets, to equip the saints for the working of ministry. But then it, it says about the body of Christ coming together in unity in verse 12 of Ephesians 4. And it says there to come into know the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be like little children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine and the trickery of men, the cunning, craftiness, being deceited, but it says they're speaking truth that we may grow up Amen. in all things to him who is the head, Christ, through the whole body. Amen. That's us. That's me and you. The whole body. Yeah. Being joined together, knitted together. Like a Tom Daly, doing, getting his knitting needles out, being knitted together. That's why it's important. See, don't tell me it doesn't matter if you come into church or not. Don't come and say to us, well, it don't really matter if I don't attend. It matters. It matters because this is what Paul is saying. The whole body being joined together, knitted together. Every joint supplies according to the effective working. You know, when we come together, we're effective. 
Nora, you're effective when we work together. When we come together in this place, when we worship, when we share what God has been doing. It's an effective working by which every part does its share. See, it's not just about me and you as leaders. And then the worship leader to come in and got to whip us up into it. We should be coming through that door knowing what's my part. I've got my share to do. It may just be saying a good word to someone. It may just be a smile. It may be a say, hey, how are you doing? Great to see you. When every part does its share. But then look at the next bit. It causes growth. What does it do? It causes growth one in one another. Each in one another. Causes growth of the body. And the edifying itself. You know, we build ourselves up. We edify ourselves. We encourage one another in love. In love. So don't tell me that it doesn't matter. Of course it matters that you're in here. Of course it matters. See, we've got to do some stuff. In a couple of verses later, it tells us that we've got to put off concerning our former self. Wendy's been saying about shaking off the old to step into the new, haven't you? Yeah? yeah? We've got to shake some stuff off. And that's what it says, Paul is saying here in a few, few verses later. It says we've got to put off the old man. Some of us have been wanting to put off the old man for a long time. But it's our responsibility. We've got to put him off. You've got to put off the old man. (laughs) What does the old man represent? It's corrupt. It's our flesh. We've got to put that off. We've got to shake it off. As the great American evangelist said, a Taylor Swift, the great American evangelist, that's wasted on you, isn't it? She said, you've got to shake it off. She was prophesying in one of her songs, shake it off. See, sometimes we put, or people have put on us some labels. And they may have spoken some things over you that we just kind of attract. And it just lingers around, doesn't it? But not just what other people have said. Very often in my own life, I recognize I put things on myself. Very often, we're our own worst enemies, aren't we? I can be my own worst critic. I can put myself down, especially after about quarter past 12 on a Sunday. I can really put myself down, thinking I should have said this. I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I should have prayed this or been a little bit more spiritual. I can go out that door and really put myself down. and put. But you can But that's just not me. It's just our human nature that we always can put ourselves down. We don't need others to put labels on us. We put labels on ourselves. But it says you've got to shake it off. Put off. That's my responsibility. It says you put off concerning the former conduct, the flesh, the way of the world, the old things. And it says then you put on the new. Put on the new man, a righteous, holy It's a bit like a dog. Have you ever seen a wet dog? A wet dog where it's had a bath or whatever and it kind of just has to, you you know it's coming, don't you? Or if you go to the beach and the dog walks by normally, it comes over to where Rosie is, Rosie's height, and you think, oh my goodness, she's going to get absolutely splatted. And you just know when the dog's been in the water, you're waiting for it, aren't you? You think at any moment now, 
He's going to shake. Now, with the, the dogs with not too much hair, that's not a problem, but you get big fluffy dogs like Dave's dog, and it's kind of hair everywhere. And you know at one minute it's going to shake, but that's what we've got to do spiritually. The things when we've been in kind of, because we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And when sometimes when we go to work during the week and we hear stuff and we're affected by stuff, but it says you've got to shake it off. Shake it off like that dog when he gets out of the water and he has a good shake. You've got to shake it off. And it says being renewed by the spirit of your mind. Being renewed every day. Like taking a shower, you've got to be renewed every day. Talking to yourself, the goodness of God. That's why it's important that you're in this place. Because you hear and you get encouraged. See, my spirit and my flesh are contrary to one another. So that's why it says, put off the old man, put off the corrupt, put off your flesh and put on the spirit. Because my, 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 my flesh hates the things of God. Do you know that? My flesh doesn't want anything to do with God. In Jeremiah it says, my heart is deceitfully wicked. There's no good thing within me. My, my righteousness, my good, all the good things I do, Isaiah says, is like filthy rags. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> but he says you've got to walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Sometimes you've got to practice that. It takes practice. Walking in it. But there's an amazing account, and we'll, we'll do it briefly. There's an amazing account of, of that, that country where there's, there's two boys that are born to Isaac, Esau and Jacob. See, and Esau was the oldest one. We know that, don't we? Esau was the oldest. And when you think about that, we say the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. You know, it wasn't supposed to be that way. It should have been the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Esau. Esau was the oldest. But if you look in Genesis chapter 25, if we turn there quickly, because they were contrary to one another, a bit like the spirit in the flesh. They're always at war. They're, they're always coming together. It's a bit like Liverpool and Man U, maybe. It's a bit like the kids. It's a bit like probably Lauren and Chloe. Were you a little bit like that? Contrary to one another when you were growing up, maybe? Most siblings are, aren't they? Chalk and cheese. A bit like EastEnders and Corrie. Does that work? I don't know if that works. Probably not. Huh? Bunk. <laughs> but here we've got the story of two boys. That It says they were twins. And there was two nations in their mother's womb. It says that they were contrary to one another. And it says that Esau was a skillful hunter and Jacob was a bit of a, how do you put this, he was a bit of a mummy's boy. He liked to stay at home. He liked to kind of dwell in, he liked to do the cooking. Probably, it doesn't say it here, but it implies he probably did the cleaning as well. He kind of liked to be at home, whereas Esau went out and did the hunting and kind of, he was a bit like more like an action man figure. But it says in verse 29, it says that Esau came in one day, Jacob was there cooking. He was doing his cooking. He was cooking up a nice stew. 
They see he likes to. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, I love stew too. And I like stew. I love stew too. It says that he came in from the field and it says that he was weary. He was exhausted. (laughs) He was tired. And he said to Jacob, his brother, he said, please feed me. Feed me some of that red stew for I am weary. Verse 31, it says, Jacob then said, Okay, I'll give you some of this too. But he said to him, sell me your birthright. Sell me your birthright, your inheritance. The thing that the eldest had was the birthright. He says, sell it to me. He was crafty, Jacob. He was cunning. He actually grabbed hold of Esau's leg as they came out. He was a heel grabber. He was a crafty one. And Esau says this, look, 32. He says, look. I'm about to die, so what is this birthright to me? He despised. He looked at his birthright as being nothing. He said, what is it to me? And he sold his birthright to Jacob. You know, that says to me that Esau's lust for the present and the tangible at any cost cost him everything. The tangible, the present, he gave up. He didn't matter what it cost. And it cost him everything. He despised, it says, verse 34, his birthright. He counted it as nothing. Seeing that the danger? Isn't that the danger when we're, when we're tired? When we're weary? I look at my own life. When I'm tired, when I'm weary, I can make dumb decisions. I'm glad I wasn't tired and weary when I said, well, get married. That was a good decision. But we can make dumb decisions. We can make dumb decisions when we're tired. Sometimes you just need to take a step back. Use wisdom. Don't be like Esau when he came in and said, well, what is this to me? He was tired, he was weary, saying he's at the point of death. I'm not sure whether that literally death, but he was saying, look, I'm about to die, I just need to eat something. Don't make silly decisions when you're tired. Don't make silly decisions when you're weary. Because, yeah, we've all got to work. He was out doing his job, he was hunting. See, we need to be out working. But don't make silly decisions when you're tired. Don't settle for second best. As we said at the beginning, this is a season I believe that we're going to thrive. You're going to thrive in this next season. But don't compromise. Don't compromise at the cost of your peace. Don't compromise at the cost of your calling. At your gifting. Just for a bowl of beans. See, because when I look at Jacob, I look at Joshua, I look at Moses, I look at Gideon, all they had was a word from God. But that's all you need. And it said that they went on the promise. You see, a word from God, that's more than enough. His word to them was, I will be with you. I will be with you. That, to me, settles it in my heart. If that's all you've got is a word from God to move on, to go, then that's enough. 
See, God gives his word, but then he expects us to walk it by faith. And when you speak it out, I want to tell you, the enemy will back off when he believes and hears what you're saying and knows you believe it. He'll back off. He may keep trying, but when you know in here and you say, hey, this doesn't look like in reality what I'm seeing at the moment, but when you believe it, you walk by faith. You've walked by faith this morning to get into this building. And you're going out of here different. You may not necessarily feel it, but it's the truth. Because you're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We believe in that. And it's amazing. You did well with your scan this week. It was great. But we're going to see the goodness of God going forward. Because you've got a word from God. Don't let it go, both of you. You've got a word. So don't compromise on what God said. Just because there's a delay, don't compromise. Don't compromise. So he gave up his inheritance. He gave up his God-given right as the firstborn of his inheritance. But I want to tell you today, if you're breathing, if you're breathing you still got an inheritance. you still got a birthright. You have a birthright. And I want you to turn to, to 1 Peter, please. I want you to see this. Because you have this morning, you have a heavenly inheritance. That's yours. You have a heavenly inheritance. And if you're looking for a title, Dave, I guess that would be my title this morning. Our heavenly inheritance. In 1 Peter 1, 3, it says this. You've got to see this. This is some great stuff because we just looked at Esau who gave up. He gave up his birthright. It cost him everything. And when I see that, I look at a man. A man named Jesus who gave up everything for me. It cost him Everything. It was a costly love. It was a costly love. When Jesus died upon that cross for you and for me, it was a costly love. It cost him everything. But unlike Esau, who despised his birthright, I want to tell you, it says that Jesus despised the shame. What a comparison. He despised the shame and endured the cross, Hebrews said. He endured the cross for the joy. You're his joy this morning. You're his joy, Chloe, this morning. And he endured the cross for you. See, Esau lost, but Jesus was victorious. And in 1 Peter 1, 3, down to verse 9, I just love this. I love this. Because it says that, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who according to his abundant mercy. Whose abundant mercy is it? It's his. How abundant is his mercy? Everlasting. It's an abundance of mercy for you. It never runs out. It never runs out. It says his abundant mercy has begotten us again. That literally means a new birth. 
But it literally means you are born again. When you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are born again. To a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because he lives, now we have a living hope. And here we have it, verse 4. To an inheritance. You have a heavenly inheritance this morning. A heavenly inheritance that is incorruptible. It can't perish. That brings me assurance to know that it can't be perished. It's incorruptible, undefiled. That means it's pure, flawless. Doesn't fade away. I've got a favorite mug that put it in the dishwasher a few times and the blooming thing started fading away. But I want to tell you, it never fades away. The inheritance we've got in Jesus will never fade. And even better than that, it says that it's reserved in heaven for you. You know, you've got a reservation waiting in heaven, Margaret. (laughs) You've got a reservation waiting for you in heaven. And all you've got to do is say, Jesus... I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Come and take me as a sinner and forgive me. And that reservation is made. That's why the angels get excited. A reservation is made in heaven. It's got your name on it. Verse 5, you who are kept... The word kept there is like a sentry standing guard. You see the guys, the Coldstream guards where they're stood protecting who are kept by the power of God through their faith, through their faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice. Greatly rejoice. That now, for a little while, if need be, if need be, if you need to, if you've been grieved, Troubled, distressed by various trials, verse 6. It says that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that prayer it perishes. Through it, tested by fire. You know, your faith is tested. Your faith is tested when you go through trials. See, Jesus doesn't promise it's going to be easy. So the very fact that you have opposition that comes against when you're believing and standing on God, he knows what you need. But the very fact when we go through trials, it's producing the testing of your faith. It comes forth as gold. It's purified. That's why we can rejoice that we may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus, whom we have not seen, but we love. We love, though you now not do now you now do not see him, yet you believe. And you rejoice of a joy inexpressible. Joy inexpressible and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's just stand to our feet, please. A joy inexpressible. That's what I love about church. 
That's why it's important that you're in this place. It's that you can be exposed. You can be given a chance to see the goodness of God. And I'd like to just give an invitation before we go, because I believe there's still some people that just need to say, yes, Jesus, I need you. If you've never made that decision before, I'd like us to close our eyes. This is between you and Jesus. Because this is what it says in Romans. It just says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you'll be saved. See, out of the fullness of your heart, the mouth speaks, the Bible says. So as you speak it out, it's, it's relating to what your heart believes as you declare it. And so I'd like us just to do that. You may have already done it before. But I'd like us all to, to speak that out this morning. If you say it and believe it in your heart, then there's a newness of life. You're putting on the new man. That there's an exchange of your sin for his life. Your sin for his forgiveness. Your unrighteousness, he gives you righteousness. So I'd like you just to repeat us all to repeat this, please. Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. And I ask you this morning to take my sin upon you. That, Lord, I accept your forgiveness in my heart today. Please take all my guilt and my shame and put it upon yourself. That I have an exchange. That my unrighteousness for your righteousness that, Lord, I ask for your salvation today. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And if you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it this morning, and I'd encourage you to come and speak to one of the leadership team here. And we can talk you through some stuff. That there'll be newness of life for you today. That there'll be a heavenly inheritance for you today. That you can walk in that newness of life. Because it cost Jesus everything. But so that you could live. So Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your time and ministry today, Lord that your glory has been in this place. Thank you for our heavenly inheritance, Lord, that our names are written in your book of life, that we are assured, we are secure, knowing that our eternal salvation is in you. We're so thankful today, Jesus. Thank you that you are living and you are moving in people's lives. In your precious name. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. amen.